gosh, I gotta, I've got to admit something pretty human right now. It's sort of embarrassing. I don't want to, but I will. And that is, I knew I had to do the children's message because I promised to do it last week. And uh, I was really struggling, so I sort of came up with the it's I didn't even come up with the pickle story. It's not even my story, okay? It's not my story. I should probably, I'm going to go back to the beginning to explain sort of what happened, and then maybe you'll sort of, all right, so lately, so Rachel, I don't know if you know Rachel, my partner over here is, there she is. She is a teacher, so she normally teaches youngins, and uh, right now she's off for the summer. And so she and her family, her kids, will come over to my house sometimes for a number of reasons. One, I live a little, you know, I live on a pond. It's a nice little place. Ronnie has friends over there. But I think mostly it's because I live right really close to a pool. I think it helps. The pool helps, I know. And uh, anyway, I, I don't actually belong to the neighborhood pool, but my neighbors across the street do, Heidi and Andy. And they are always there with their uh, little girl, Emmy. And so we can pretty much go when we want, I guess, or whenever they're there. And so we had, an, it was so hot. If you notice, it was so hot the last couple of days. And when you're hot and you're sweaty, as soon as you jump into that water, you are so cool. And it's so nice. And you just chill, and you relax, and you get your little floaty. And, and here's one thing I'll say. I dived for the very first time in my life. I had never dived my entire life. Nearly 50 years old, never dived one time. And I dove for the first time, this last time. And Rachel will verify. There, are, there is videographic evidence of this. And I think I was like an 11 on a 10, you know, 1 to 10. I probably got 11. My form was just magnificent. Not much splash, huh? You know. Anyway, afterward, we were tired. We got together. Heidi cooked us some of her barbecue chicken, and it was so good. I had way too much of it. I was hurting my tummy. And, and anyway, we were just sitting outside together at the end of this day, sort of watching the stars and just this beautiful night and eating that barbecue. And I remember we were sitting on a little swing, and there was a little thing over us or whatever, and Heidi kept seeing these shooting stars. You know, she'd say, I saw a shooting star. And we'd be like, what, what? And like, we couldn't see it because there was sort of this awning over this little swing that we were on. And so it was sort of interesting that that was going on. But I, anyway, we kept talking, kept talking. And Andy, sort of a, he's sort of a little bit of a nerd in a way. He's, he's sort of into sort of this computer stuff. And he, he just downloaded one of those apps, an artificial intelligent app, a generator app. Have you heard about those things at all? Anyway, you can just apparently just throw in a couple words and it'll just give you whatever, you know. I mean, it's just sort of amazing. And he threw in, I want a funny story about pickles written in the style of Mark Twain. And then, you know, he sort of threw it in there and then in less than 30 seconds... It came up with the story that I just read today. Mr. Pickleworth and the circus and the relish and all the... A funny story about pickles. In like 28 seconds. And I did check it later. There is no Mr. Pickleworth. There's no Mark Twain story with that guy. Nothing like that. Totally made up. 
And so we gave it some other stuff to do, some other stories, come up paintings in the style of Moreau or Medigliani or something like that. You know, I asked it to write a term paper on the, the comparisons between Native American and Quaker spirituality, and it did an okay job. I'll give it a C plus. I mean, it did do it in 30 seconds, but uh, I think if I'd given it maybe 10 minutes, it, it'd get an A plus. It just sort of, whoa. It's sort of scary. If it can come up with a story, I couldn't write that story about them pickles. It'd take me two days. And it can do it in seconds. If it can do that, then who are we? We're going to talk about words today. What is a word? What are words? So if, if today had a word, today's word would be word. I wonder how often that has ever been said in life. I mean, uh, today's word is word. Um, because if you read the scripture here, the one that we we're talking about, if you, if you remember, I've been talking about different creation stories in the Bible. We started off in Genesis, right? In the very first chapter where God says, let there be life. He just says, let there be light, and there's light. And it's good. And he goes through the days, and it's good. He says stuff, stuff happens. And in the second chapter, last week we, called, we went to Adam and Eve, and we talked about how they ate from that fruit. It, they got their freedom. They got their freedom, and they got that knowledge, that divine knowledge, but it cost them their lives. They had to pay the highest cost, so to speak. And so today we go to John, sort of our third creation. I don't want to say story. It's more of an understanding, third creation understanding that we have in the Bible. And he's, he begins it right here. We know it's a creation story because it begins it in the beginning. You know, have we heard that before? In the beginning. So he wants you to know that. He wants you to say, this is something new. In the beginning was the word. The word. What is that? What is word? What? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, one of the things that we do in scriptures here is, especially if you read most modern English translations, they, they sort of use terminology like word and world, right? Like we, I mean, we talked about it before. In, he was in the world, and through the world was made through. They use that terminology mostly because it was in the King James Bible, and it's easy. But it doesn't quite exactly mean what we're reading here. For example, the word that we have for world, where we get it in, let's say, verse 10, the, real, the Greek word for that is cosmos. See, in the time of the King James, they didn't really, there was no word for universe or cosmos. It was just the world. They just sort of thought everything was the world. But a, a more accurate understanding for ourselves, if we're reading it today in the 21st century, is cosmos. So when you say, when you say it, it's like he was, he was in the cosmos. 
And though the cosmos was made through him, the cosmos did not recognize. It changes the way you perceive it significantly. And the same is true with this other word, the word of the day word, which is logos. All right, when we, if you read it, you know, transliteral, like in the beginning, it, was, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the word logos is quite different. Now, where does logos come from? Well, logos is from a very, very old Greek word that Homer uses as one of the first examples 800 years before John is writing this gospel. And at that time, when Homer is coming up with these words or whatever, when he's writing them down, logos means exactly what it says, word. It means a word. But 800 years later, when Jesus isn't around, or Jesus is around, and when John is around, it means something totally different. And lots of different people have very different interpretation of what logos means. There's like philosophic and theological debates. You know, I just sort of imagine like philosophers in a food fight kind of thing. They don't like each other. And so before I get into, before I get into all the differences and the divergences of theology and philosophy or whatever, I'm going to tell you that because of all these differences, when they were making the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the Greek Bible, they were like, well, we don't know what it means. We're just going to go with word. Right? It has so many different meanings. It could mean so many different things that they just said, you know what, we're just going to go with the easy thing. We're going to go with Homer. Even if it's missing the real essence of what it's about. All right, so here are some of the differences. When, when people use the word logos when Jesus was around, they didn't really mean it in terms of word. What they, it could have meant what Aristotle meant. Is in his understanding of rhetoric, uh, logos was the, rash, the reason of your argument. So when you're appealing to somebody's, and he would often say even divine reason, that when you're appealing to somebody, you appeal to their logos, their reason, their pathos, their emotion, and their, oh no, ethos, their sense of right or wrong. Right? Other people, other philosophers, the Stoics would have said that the logos is the divine fabric of the universe. It's what basically creates and sustains us, and it's sort of this divine intelligence that has been given to us that the world operates in, and you can see it through nature. Others saw it a little bit even more like the very substance that keeps things together. For example, there is a Jewish philosopher named Philo who is writing at the very same time that Jesus is alive, and he says that the Logos is the... Here, there's a beautiful quote here. Let us see if I can find it. The Logos is the living God, is the bond of everything, holding all things together and binding all the parts and prevents them from being dissolved or separated. And he called this divine sort of glue the Logos, and he also said it was the firstborn of God. So that's what he's, he's thinking. Well, what is John saying? What's John about here? What can we, what is John, we talk about these other folks and what they think about the Logos. How about John? Well, the first off, his name's not John. All right? Newsflash. We don't know his name. We don't know any of the author's names of any of the Gospels. We, we don't. Uh, 
The, the names that are given to him are given hundreds of years later. So we don't know his name is John. He calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved, which is a pretty beautiful name. And we know that he's writing in Greek, but he may not be thinking in Greek. He's writing in Greek, but he is almost, is very likely a Jewish Christian. At the time that John is written, about half the church is Jewish. They go to synagogue, they, well, they did. They would have the Sabbath, they would keep kosher. But we think maybe he's Jewish because it was a few years before this gospel is written, about 10 or 15 years, that the Nazareans, the Jewish Christians, are kicked out of the synagogue. And part of John's dislike of the Jews is because that memory is so fresh for him. And if you look at John and the, the gospel here, no one understands the Jewish understanding, the Hebrew, the, all of this stuff that he talks about, Aramaic, better than maybe Matthew. So most people think he's Jewish. And if he's Jewish and he's Palestinian and he's a disciple close to Jesus, he's probably thinking in Aramaic. And the word of God in Aramaic is something called marah. And it means something a little bit different. Now, when, when in, Ara, in Aramaic, for Jewish folks, for especially Jewish Christian folks as well, when they would think about these things, they would think about it, Marah, or the Word of God, is constantly used in the Aramaic translation of the Bible. Gosh, I know I'm getting complicated here. And they're using it for two forms. The first is as a substitute to name God because there was an aversion to naming God and speaking God's name. So they would say the word of God. And the other time they use the word of God is when they're meaning that God is speaking something into creation. So for example, in Genesis, when Genesis, when God is saying, let there be light, the Aramaic translators of that would say, the word of God said, let there be light. Or the word of God breathed into Adam. And so there's this idea of the creative within the voice of God. See, it's, it's not so clear-cut and easy. You know, does it mean the breath of God? Does it mean your inner voice? Does it mean this sort of inner intelligence? It's something that you would just want to say, let's just call it the word. But it doesn't quite mean that. I mean, it's hard to really understand exactly what John was thinking. The disciple whom Jesus loved was thinking. It's hard to know. But you do sort of get the impression that, that he sees this divine intelligence. He sees this voice of God, this creative force as being part of Yeshua or Jesus. What does Jesus say? Jesus talks about the word of God. He says in Matthew chapter 4, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but rather by every word from the mouth of God. And in Luke, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and follow. Now, I can't, I can't tell you exactly what he means. 
But I do know that he, he feels, he strongly is telling us that if we turn toward him, if we listen to this divine voice, if we make our, our choice that we will too be children of God, have that understanding, that divine intelligence. You know, I was looking around, I was trying to say, gosh, I'm trying to prove humans exist. And I was asking all my friends, I was like, give me some poem, some story that really tells about the human condition, human existence. You know, tell, what do you, you know, one of those things that would just sort of mm, wake you up. And the result I got was a lot of, huh? Well, oh, uh. I don't really know. People said, look up Emily Dickinson. You know, look at Robert Frost. They'll let you know. I couldn't really find exactly what I was looking for. Emily Dickinson has a very good poem about this, two, two lines. But I felt like more, as I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, I thought more just reading a little bit further down in John. And where it says, my command is this. This is what Jesus is saying. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they may lay down their life for their friends. And I thought, gosh, that's about it. If you really think about the divine blessing, divine light, the divine intelligence that we're given, it's something that can be seen by somebody willing to give up their very life for something, someone, for the greatest cause, even though it means everything to them. See, a computer won't, I don't know, if, I don't think a computer would do it. I don't know, maybe it would give up a couple microchips. But could it give it? Would it even know what that means? You know, so Rachel and I were talking afterwards. We were coming back home because it was a really interesting conversation, sort of interesting thing. And we realized something. You know, two pages, you know, about a pickle. It's not Hemingway. I mean, it's not like, you know, Steinbeck or the Brothers Karamazov. It's not, you know, there's something. That, different about genius that just makes it a little different. And then as I was walking home, I was, you know, we walked home and I said, you know, I gotta let Boober out one last time. I gotta let him out because, you know, he gets, I don't want him bothered at midnight. Boober's my dog, by the way. Boober's my dog. Just in case you didn't know. And so I was walking him around the little pond we have there and I came to that little corner so I was walking, and it went across the sky in an instant. In a second, it was there, and it was just streaked across the sky, and I was, and it took my breath away. It's one of those shooting stars. And I just, I just, it was just me. Well, I guess I'm Boober. And it was sort of magic in a moment. 
in a second, in a flash. And it made me realize something incredibly profound at that moment is that, you know, you look at a computer or that technology or anything like that, it could photograph it, it could measure it, it can tell you all about its luminosity. But there's no magic. There's no joy. There's no thrill. You know, it could, it could write a poem. We actually tried to make, me and my friend Sam tried to make it write a poem about shooting stars. It couldn't, we couldn't, it, had, we, it wanted us to download an app. We didn't want to do it. It could write a poem, but it can never know the words. It could never know them or comprehend them. See, the passion, the emotion, the, the magic of it, it only comes to children of God and to children of the light. Booper was just looking around, man. He was just trying to get a good sniff. And that is our blessing. That is our joy. That is our thrill. And it's something that combines us no matter where these computers take us. I don't care if they take us to the other ends of the cosmos. That we share that with one another. This gift, this blessing, that we are born, created, sustained as children in the light.